yeah, I mean, that'll go down in uh, in my memory as one of my career highlights, but also a lifetime highlight. Um, so I remember walking into our general manager at the time's office. He called me in uh, along with a couple of other people and said, put a non-disclosure agreement in front of me and uh, just something that you don't normally see. I was like... <laughs> I'm just going to read this because I actually have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what are you going to tell me? So I read it. I signed it. I said, what if I don't sign it? He said, well, I'm not going to tell you then. <laughs> okay, well, it must be something big. So I signed it. And then he um, said, uh, we've signed David de Villiers. Uh, we're going to announce it in a couple of months. The intent is that in two months' time, no one out of the four people in this room know about it. And so, yeah, A.B. de Villiers... Uh, I didn't really realise, but he was like Michael Jordan. And I knew that he was big. I just didn't realise how big it was. G'day, guys. Coming up on the show today is Pete Locke, the General Manager of Marketing and Corporate Affairs at Queensland Cricket. Pete has over 10 years of experience overseeing the commercial, sponsorship, hospitality, marketing, digital communications at the Brisbane Heat, smashing all sectors off-field at Queensland Cricket. Lots to look forward to today, including how to progress within an organisation, how to be an effective manager, and what it's like being part of a championship-winning team. If you enjoy this episode, Pete is going to be one of, well, the Brisbane Meetup guest on the 7th of March, so grab a ticket and come and listen to him in person. Let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the SportsGrad Podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker. Joining me is the big Swifty, Ruben Williams, and we are two mates who met at Cricket Australia. And each week we learn how people made it in the sports industry. We tease out their career decisions, work habits, skills, and everything they do that makes them great, all so that you can get in, get promoted, and get thriving in the sports industry. The big Swifty. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you, Ryan. I've just been over to the MCG to check it all out, <laughs> and I can tell you there are people arriving yeah. in floods at the moment. There are, it is going off. It's, I went for a little lap, just a little run around the MCG, and yep. it's it's bananas. Like it's one yeah. p.m. on a Friday afternoon. It doesn't start for another seven hours, but <laughs> that's a swift effect, I guess. Yeah, I uh, I did just drive in here to to come into the studio today, and I will attest to that. It was about. Two o'clock when I went past and the, the tram stops are full. Everyone's dressed up, they're ready to go. It's mm. hot out there, so it's going to yeah. be a long day for everyone. Yep. But um, wow, hot. Swifty's here. It's Taylor Swifty's here. We felt it on the plane coming <laughs> yeah. back from Sydney this morning. There's yeah. a lot of people who are making the trip for Taylor tonight coming down from Sydney. Yeah. But uh, you are going tonight, which is huge. I am going. I am absolutely pumped. I'm actually, uh, after this episode, I'm going to go to Rebel Sport maybe on the way home and Perhaps get some Chiefs kit. I think you should. Just to fit in. Mm. Uh, Are you going to listen to our our episode with Aman Alawalia (laughs) about how he got his job at the Chiefs just to get you in the mood? Yeah, yeah, just to get me in in the mood for the Chiefs. Mm. Uh, No, I might chuck the Eras tour, the the Spotify playlist on on the way home just to like sort of get in the mood for Swifty. But yeah, it's going to be mad. Um, It's been a big few days. Cultivate, like the final stage for me is tonight. Yep. But... uh, Let's talk about last week because it's been, uh, I think probably the way to put it is just nonstop. Yes. I think that's probably the best way to put it. And our frequent fire points are just absolutely booming. Yes. Uh, but take us back to 
Friday last week. Well, yeah, it all, we've had a week of mayhem yeah. starting with the Melbourne meetup last Friday, which was amazing. We had about 130 people in the room in, yeah. in Richmond for that with a – uh, Paddy Horan from the Western Bulldogs and Shay Bolton Brown from the uh, the Melbourne Mavericks, which was outstanding. A couple of other notable people joined as well. Uh, Kimberly Finesse, general manager of uh, People and Culture at Netball Australia, was in the room. Great as friend w- of the show. Great well. friend of the show. As was uh, Sarah Styles, the uh, director for the Office for Women in Sport and Recreation, as well. He's got yep. a huge role. So. Um, a lot of good people come along to these events. And then we then we went and ran the parallel meetup. You flew home to Perth. I went to Adelaide and we did the lonely setup in uh, our each pub that we respective were running. Pubs. Respective pub. <laughs> and uh, and ran the um the uh, the South and Western Australian meetups, which was terrific. Uh, who did sure. you have over there? We had Danny Mills from the Wildcats, uh, general manager of operations. He was outstanding. Just such a good insight into like coming from the NBA, he obviously had a bit of experience at the Philadelphia 76ers. Very cool. And then he sort of touched on how they build a winning culture in at the Wildcats and obviously how they recruit players as well. It was super interesting. But, um, yeah, everyone loved it. It was amazing. And you, you had Path? Yeah, we had Path. One interesting thing that came up in Adelaide with Path was that even though Path is probably nine months into his role at the Crows, mm. a couple of weeks into it, he had an idea to create a brand-new community camp using the Crows brand. And so mm. this is like being run during school holidays. And I think they were going to pilot it with like 100 kids to start and it sold out in a single day. They didn't get, wow. to, they didn't get to day two of their marketing plan to you know, spread the word because it sold out that quickly. Jeez. And so now they're thinking about, well, how can we grow this further? And uh, Sp- uh, Path spoke beautifully about like, how do you come up with an idea? How do you pitch it? How do you then go and execute it? Mm. Which was something that he'd never really done before coming from Westpac where everything's so systemized and it has to be by the book that you don't really yeah. g- get the option to think creatively. Yeah. So that was an interesting one. Nice. And then last night we are in Sydney. You were speaking with the Sydney FC boys. Yeah, Howard Fondike, who's head of fan engagement and, uh, and Nick Susco, who's the academy manager there. Um, so yeah, it was cool hearing from two different people in the same organization and sort of how they work together, even though they're in two different areas of the club, but, um, just a great insight and, uh, how it even gave us the rundown of his full day, yep. uh, it was very impressive starting at 5am in the morning and, uh, eventually getting home at night. But, two uh, gym sessions. Yeah. Two gym sessions. It shows as well. Fit man. Very fit. Good looking man as well. Handsome. Uh, and Nick was an absolute superstar as well and stayed around one of the last to leave, which yep. we love that when our guests stick around. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And you had, uh, you had Basha, who yeah. is one of the great guests of the show as well. Absolutely. She appeared on the podcast this week. And so we got to chat with her in person and learn a bit more about Sale GP, which is, I just think, one of the most fascinating sports at the yeah. moment. Like brand new. They've put a lot of thought into it. They've executed it beautifully. It's growing rapidly. It's exciting. Mm. It's uh, and it's coming to Sydney Harbour next week, which I, I can't wait for. So to um, have Basha on the panel during the only two weeks of the year that she's in Australia was outstanding, and I Pretty could good. just like see people's faces light up as Basha was talking about the amount of worldly experience that she'd had. So very cool opportunity for those people mm. to get to to chat with her. But it doesn't stop. No, we're going to Brisbane. Crazy. Where the people of Queensland can come and hear from Pete Locke and uh, all the amazing insights that he's got. So today will be a great introduction to who Pete is. And then if you want to come and meet Pete in person, make sure you get along on the 7th of March. So 
Tickets are on our website, yeah. sportsgrad.com.au forward slash events. And uh, yeah, Brisbane people get around it. Get on it. It's the Sunshine State, isn't it, Queensland? Oh, yeah. That's the nickname. Yep. It's always good to get up to the Sunshine State. Absolutely. Um, get those tickets because they're selling fast and we're pretty amped to get there. So want mm. as many people there as we can. Hey, um, if you don't follow us already on LinkedIn, do it. Uh, if you want to connect with us and hundreds of others, uh, become a member of the community. And we have a new intake currently, well, about to take place yes very exciting the day has finally arrived it's been a long wait it has been a long way we haven't had one for three months yeah we kept saying the next one's not till late feb well it's now late feb yeah. <laughs> i don't know how that happened but i know yeah, it's here. flown anyway for 48 hours or a bit less than 48 hours from 9 a.m on the 20th of february which is tomorrow when this goes out until midnight on the 21st of feb you have that opportunity to become a new rookie member. If you're trying to break into the sports industry and you need help, you need a network to lean on, you want resources to scale up your career quickly, then the community is the best place to do it. And uh, if you've been waiting a while, tomorrow is your opportunity. So jump onto the website, sportsgrade.com.au forward slash community to get involved. That'll open up at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. But Super exciting. Very exciting. A couple of members who are absolutely killing it at the moment who feature in our weekly wins. First one, Chanel Vittori, who has just got a role at the Melbourne Rebels as a video analyst intern, which is absolutely outstanding. Nice. I ran past the Rebels when I went to go check out the Swifties. Big fellas. They're big. <laughs> and I can tell you, I don't ever want to do a rugby preseason. No. Nah. It looks hard. <laughs> nah. Not It'd be for straight, me. straight up and down running. Oh, literally. They're like tackling bags into the ground oh, and then getting geez. back up, turning around, sprinting again, tackling the ground. I was like, gosh. Not for us. No, no, thank you. Uh, Ye Zhang, Rugby Development Officer at Rugby Victoria. We've had a few people come through mm. Rugby Victoria in the community. Bit of a breeding ground. For that, for yeah, members. exactly. Uh, Sophie Sfikas as well, freelance graphic designer at InPlay Digital. And then this is a huge one. Our friend up in Sydney, Dylan Norahan, has got a role as Director of Sport Partnerships at OMD Australia. He's on his way down to Melbourne, which yep. we cannot wait for because he's he's a, he's a great friend of the show. Yeah. He's a good member of the community and uh, I can just tell he's going to get amongst a lot of coffee catch-ups. Brings the energy, Dylan. Yeah, he does. And he asks questions at meetups, which I love. He's got a great smile too. Yeah, he does. He's always beaming through the Zoom camera. Bit of a rooster. Yeah. Uh, it's good to have him down here. Um, and there's plenty of events coming up. Yes, plenty of events. So as always, we kick off our member intakes with a speed networking event that night. So if you're thinking about joining, make sure you pencil in speed networking happening at 7.30 p.m. Australian Easter Daylight Saving Time. Mm. 7.30 p.m. tomorrow night if you're on the Eastern Seaboard. And then we've got pro speed networking coming up on the 22nd of Feb, which is on Thursday. We've also got a masterclass on leadership with Gavin Marnie from Leading Teams coming up the following week for our pro members if people can recall way back to episode 30 of the podcast, you'll know that Gav is a great friend of the show and has got a lot to offer in the leadership space. And then our next meetup, just keeps Brisbane flying. keeps coming around, Brisbane's coming up, and then we'll be back to the other states in, uh, in May. There is so much happening. There is a lot. <laughs> and if you want to keep up with absolutely everything, you don't want to miss a beat, the newsletter is the place to go. So head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter and you will not miss a member intake, you will not miss a meetup, you will not miss a podcast and your career will grow from there. Impossible to miss. Yep. Just get that little little newsletter in your inbox. That's it. Case is doing a great job. 
on that as well. Just throw it in the newsletter department. Yep. All righty. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Grab a pen. Enjoy this chat with Pete Locke. Are you aiming for a future in sport? Be ready to transform the industry. Study with Deakin and be prepared to redefine what it means to work in sport. Deakin's School of Exercise and Nutrition Sciences is ranked number one in the world. So if you want to turn your passion for sport into an impactful career, get ready to push the limits of exercise and sports science, sport coaching, sport development, sports management, nutrition sciences, physical education, and more. Apply now to study at Deakin in 2024. Pete, welcome to the SportsGo podcast. Thanks, gentlemen. I'm humbled to be on the show and humbled that you think my job is interesting enough to record a podcast on. (laughs) (laughs) Your job is fascinating to us and it's very um, aspirational for a lot of people because uh, not only do you work in sport, but you're working with a premiership winning team. You're working with the Brisbane Heat who have just won the BBL. Can you tell us a bit about what that has been like since uh, the final? Yeah, look, uh, for me personally, um, being attached to the club for, this is my 11th summer, uh, and in that time I haven't won a big bash league. So uh, personally, it was uh, super excited and very rewarding to be a part of. We've won a couple of WBBL titles in that time, which have been equally uh, as exciting. But yeah, I suppose the last week has been um, really action-packed for for me and the crew uh, that work in our off-field team and also the on-field team involved in the coaching staff. And uh, with the Big Bash League, it normally finishes mid to late January in the the regular season. And I've had plenty of of those seasons where um, we've finished up and not made finals. And then the clubs that are lucky enough to go on and play finals, there's a couple of extra weeks of work and you might be hosting games or attending games or doing content on the road. And so to be in that position uh, is a lot of fun. It's a really short period of time. And so to come out of the back of it with a trophy and to see how much it meant to our players and our coaching staff and then to the people of Brisbane, I think was um, the best part. Just to see how much winning the championships means to other people has been probably the most rewarding experience of it all. It does feel like Brisbane attached themselves to the heat in a similar way that Perth attached themselves mm. to the Scorchers. Ryan's a WA man, so he knows all about that. Yeah, it definitely feels like it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, Brisbane sporting fans are pretty passionate about their teams and we've seen it with some of the others like the Broncos and Lions and uh, when teams get on a roll, people get out onto the bandwagon pretty quickly and um, look, there's definitely been a sense that the people of Brisbane have been uh, excited about the competition this summer. Our crowds have definitely lifted um, and just the general buzz around the city, um, walking around um, on Friday it was uh, with some of the players on the way to an appearance with the trophy, just the amount of people that stopped them, wanted a photo, uh, just cheering them through the streets, I thought was pretty cool. It was also great you delivered Brisbane a grand final win. You've been <laughs> starved uh, the, last, the last sort of year or so. I think the Broncos lost, the Lions lost. Lions no, AFLW got over the line though. Sorry, yeah, they did win that one. but it's uh, So it is fantastic you can get a, get a win uh, for Brisbane as well. Um, Pete, I'm sure you're a regular listener of the show. You, you, you know how this works, but uh, we do uh, a, some quick fire questions to start each episode just to let our viewers, uh, sorry, listeners in, they're probably viewing as well on YouTube, uh, to let them in on who you are and, and what you're about before we get going. So uh, I'll start with uh, our first quick fire question, and that is what was your first ever job? My first ever job, I think I delivered newspapers when I was a kid, but that didn't last for too long. And then my first job in high school or just out of high school would have been uh, bartending. 
Nice, the classics. Yeah. And uh, what did you study at university? I did a Bachelor of Business Management majoring in events, uh, and then I did some postgraduate study in journalism. Brilliant. Uh, and your favourite sporting moment? Well, the Heat went in the premiership a couple of nights ago. It's probably now is. Yeah. Um, when I put um, before that, probably the Queensland Reds winning the 2011 Super Rugby Championships. Um, I talked a little bit before about how much championships mean to people and I grew up a, a diehard rugby fan and I had uh, a friend of mine was captain of the team and so uh, that was a pretty special experience. Very good. And you've been managing people for a long time. What's your favourite interview question that you like to ask of candidates? Um, I like to ask uh, how can I and how can we get the best out of you and what environment can we set that gets the best out of you? I like that. Good question. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a book or a, a podcast man, but uh, what is a book or a podcast you'd recommend that's uh, helped you at work? Might be a bit of an obvious one, but um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, which is the memoir of uh, Phil Knight who created Nike. And the biggest lesson that I took out of that book is the power of tenacity and just to continue working hard to achieve your goal. Mm. I must admit, I bought that book for my mum for Christmas one year with the intention of reading it myself, which uh, I still haven't got around to. Get but um, back. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard very good reviews about that book. Must read. Yep. And uh, are you associated with any grassroots sporting clubs? Yeah, I play um, golf at a, a member of a golf club at the moment. Um, I've grown up my whole life playing club sports, so I've always been involved in a rugby club or a cricket club, um, but aren't playing any of those at the moment, but do have a, a passion for community sport. Love it. Nice. And last one, if you had 30 minutes to pick anyone's brain, who would it be? Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by uh, Greg Norman and particularly uh, Greg Norman, the athlete. I've actually just started reading his book, The Way of the Shark, and I think it was released ages ago, so it's not current, but um, I'm intrigued by his sporting prowess, but then his move to business and particularly live golf. I just love mm. to hear the inside story on live golf and how he's gone about creating that and navigating, uh, trying to change the world of golf. Um, I thought, think that would be really interesting. Yeah. I reckon a, uh, a live golf guest will go well yeah, this year. Yeah. It's on the agenda. The, the shark was my first introduction to, to golf. I remember when I was young, I got a golf ball with a shark logo on it. Yeah. I thought, this is the greatest golf ball of my entire life. And then I realized who Greg Norman was and, and away we went. I, I remember growing up with golf and dad having the golf on really early morning in Perth. But I always just remember Greg Norman used to choke. <laughs> so like, I don't really associate Greg Norman for his wins. He did win a lot. Mm. But I just remember him yeah. like, oh, he's lost it again. <laughs> the last round hasn't gone down well. So anyway. Yeah, I'm probably similar uh, vintage in that. I remember watching him play and I remember the 96 Masters watching it before school and being heartbroken without really knowing the Greg Norman backstory. The yeah. fact he was already number one. He'd won a couple of majors, but he was record world number one for so long so just his move from being so good at sport to being so good in business to now changing the world through mm. golf or him trying to change the world through golf i think is just fascinating yeah amazing well let's let's dive into to your journey and, and your role at the moment because um one thing that a lot of people in sport have marveled at for literally the last decade while you've been at the helm of the brisbane heat is the brisbane heat are the most is the most followed sporting club in Australia, I've got the highest content of any sp professional sporting team in Australia, like above any other BBL team, any other AFL, any other NRL team, the Brisbane Heat, 
despite their very short window, do better than any other team. Is that right? Yeah, the most followed sports club uh, in Oceania, um, which is something that we're super proud of. Mm, Amazing. Well, that is what we are dealing with here. So let's dive into it. How did you get your start into sport and what were some of the the steps you took in your journey to eventually reach the heat and then have this success? Yeah, so I've been um, with Brisbane Heat and Queensland Cricket for about 10 years. So my journey to get to this point starts a little bit before that. And um, I was living in Melbourne, part of a cricket club, um, really enjoyed that side of it in terms of playing. It was almost my, my reintroduction post high school back into how good community sport can be. And that's where I de- redeveloped a, a bit of a passion for the game and also for cricket. And um, I was working in publishing at the time in advertising sales, so involved in media and marketing and just realised that um, my progression in my career was to try and get a, a crack into sport. And so, um, like everyone, did the usual, applied for a lot of jobs. That's when I did undertake some graduate study in, in journalism to, um, I thought, yeah, content was uh, a path that I wanted to go down. So, um applied for a job uh, in Queens at Queensland Cricket where I knew a couple of people was coming up for a wedding or something like that, trying to buzz through the door of the guy that was making the hire and they said, I'm in town for 24 hours, can I come see you about the job? I don't think my resume was very good at the time because I'm not sure I've actually, actually made it through based on my resume, but he was lucky enough to come to let me in. Saw him on a Friday, um, had the wedding on the Saturday, got asked back on the Monday and, and went from there. So probably unconventional way in um, in getting through the door, but might be a good lesson for, for your listeners that you don't always have to do things conventionally. It's, it's trying to force your way through that gets results. Well, that was um, how you ended up hiring, hiring Nick Lorb uh, as well, wasn't it? Or Nick Lauby, rather, sorry, <laughs> who uh, created his own YouTube channel, doing his own videos and, and documentaries. So um, uh, is that something that you also look out for as well, people who have found an unconventional way to get in? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And so when I'm hiring for, for a role, you do get sent kind of 30 to 40 plus uh, resumes. And I do take the time to look at them all really closely. But um, it's the people that stand out that have made an impact or a connection to you are the ones that I suppose um, get put up the list. So um, yeah, in, in that example, I, I'll be going back to when I started my first job here at um, Brisbane Heat and Queen. And cricket was managing social media, and we had didn't ne- never had anyone in that role. So I was a, a team of one. This is back in the day when it was kind of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You didn't have video capabilities or anything like that. Uh, and so I, I suppose I started our journey into social media, um, but realised the limitations that I had. And one of those limitations was I didn't really have any skills when it came to editing video. And so I went through a process where. Um, reached out to some universities and wanted to hire some interns one day a week just to to help with that part of it and give them some good experience. Um, Nick was one of those people that applied. Uh, I wanted to get just one person in to help me. Uh, I ended up hiring two because they were both equally as good as each other. Um, the other person, Taylor, um, probably one of the coolest things about my job is that I hired them both as interns probably eight years ago and they're both still working with me and I've uh, had the joy of promoting them uh, throughout that journey, which has been pretty cool. And so to see the evolution of our social media over that time, back when I was managing it and running it to where it is now, and it's just gone on leaps and bounds. And 
look, I can't really take too much credit for how good we are at the moment um, because we've got a lot of talented people that have completely taken what I did and just ran with it, made it so much cooler and more entertaining. And that's one of the things, I guess, as a manager, I'm able to just step back and let the creative people do what they do, step in if there's a problem. But this is one area where I've got full confidence in the team to execute and so I don't, don't really have to be too hands-on with it. I do want to come back to how you've been able to keep this incredible team together for, for so long, but could you talk us a bit about your evolution in your role? Because you mentioned you started as a one-person team and have begun to build it out. How has your role evolved over those 10 years? Yeah, one of the cool things and uh, rewarding things about working at Queensland Cricket is uh, – we're really open to people growing and to try new things. And certainly people within my team, I always ask them about development plans and things like that. And so I suppose every couple of years when you're in sport, you might look at another area that you want to get your hands dirty in. So um, during that 10 year period, I've gone from say social media into was quite interested in media and communications and an opportunity opened up to be our public affairs manager, which is really off-field um, issues management, crisis management, government communications, all those kind of things um, evolved that into uh, an opportunity to work within our commercial marketing department overseeing that um, and then moving into a general manager role uh, overseeing commercial marketing and comms and, and everything off-field for the Brisbane Heat. So uh, I guess just looking out for opportunities, understanding when something is coming up or what you're interested in, making sure that you've got the confidence to go and talk to someone and say, I'm interested in this part of the business or organisation. How can I get some experience there? And certainly um, I'm really open to to listening to people if they have an interest in another area. Yeah, how can we help them? Like that. I think that's a really important part of management is how can you help other people? And, and is, are those areas just, just things that have come up as you've kind of gone through your career or was there ever like this vision that you had for yourself like, you know, I want to be a general manager and I want these specific divisions to fall underneath me or is it just as you've gone, you've thought, actually, that's really interesting. Can I help in that space? Yeah, definitely no vision. I wasn't sitting here five years ago thinking I want to be a general manager and, and manage all these different areas. Certainly, um, year on year, I, I like to personally look at what's my next challenge and we've just come out of the back end of a big bash season. And so personally, I'll go through a bit of a process reviewing our season and um, thinking about what's next for us as a group and then for me personally, uh, what's the challenge that I think I can take on and um, as a team help us achieve. So, yeah, there's no, I guess, set guidelines on this time in two years. My evolution needs to be this. I think I just haven't really operated that way necessarily, but always uh, if an opportunity opens up, be the first to put that, my hand up and say, I think I can help lead in this area which is probably more where i've established growth is i've identified that something's opening up someone might be moving on or might be changes here and there this is how i think it could best operate and this is the role i think i can play nice i'm definitely keen to go back to uh how that team stayed together but keen to understand first of all um you know o over that 10-year journey what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced along that, that decade of time, um, anything that's happened that sort of stands out to you? I look like everyone, COVID was fairly significant. Um, and uh, we went through a lot of restructural change, like a lot of organisations in sport. Uh, so having to navigate our way um, 
culturally through that period, um, having that's when I did step into more of a management position. So uh, trying to get my feet on the ground, understanding um, how to best manage a team and, and lead people and probably not always doing a great job of it. Um, so learning a lot on the fly, to be honest, that, that was certainly a big challenge during COVID. Um, I think every year we go through a bit of a challenge when it comes to running events. And so running big events are complex, com- complex beasts. And so there's always been one or two challenges over the years that have been pretty significant, but I've always come out the other side thinking, geez, I've learned a lot from that. And a couple of examples will be um, maybe five years ago in the middle of a big bash game, the lights went off at the Gabba and the match never restarted and there was just this sense of um, what's actually happened fans are furious because they haven't received uh, their full value and so going through a communication plan around um, who's eligible for a refund if they're not um, how are we putting a good spin on this to fans to make sure that they're coming back to other games uh, so that was one during COVID, i think we had um, when players had to sit out if they got it got COVID. We had one where 12 players got tested positive to COVID in one day on the day of a game. And so actually going through a process of um, can we shift the match back 24 hours? Can we find 12 players to play? Uh, What's our process around refunds? Um, Are we still going to ask people to come? Um, And then more more recently, uh, we put heaps of energy and effort into um, a new event that we established called New Year's Bash, which was a really big um, intent to draw people to the game and have music playing. Um, we had Pinyao playing and uh, it just rained all day and the game ended up being washed out. And so, again, going through a process of who's eligible for a refund. At one point during the night, the rain was getting quite bad and there was lightning around. And so our mindsets went from, can we get this game going? Can we get the music playing to what's our process around if lightning gets really close and we're communicating to people in the stadium on where they should go and what they should do and how we actually get them home safely. So I guess in that come crisis comes opportunity and you always learn a little bit about it and reflecting with the team post that we went around in the group and kind of said, what's one thing you took out of it? And that was really important, I think, just to see how clearly everyone thought and no one reacted, no one got too jumpy or anything like that. So Hopefully that answers the question okay. So is that, is that actually something that you did? Like at the end of this hectic night, there's rain, there's thunderstorms, it's probably late at night, everyone's probably wet, everyone's ready to go home, and you say, stop, guys, what did we take out of this? Uh, not quite in that moment because everyone was pretty fried because we did have <laughs> um, – we de- went through a bit of a communication strategy and sat around in a group and particularly thought at 9 a.m. tomorrow – we're sending this email to members. We're sending this email to two game members. We're sending this communications to hospitality clients. We're sending this to ticket purchases. This is our communication to the board. This is what we've got to do about insurance. Um, so we kind of let that settle for 24, 48 hours where uh, it was a pretty intense period of just, we had 20,000 people even turn up when it was that it was raining that hard. And a lot of them were, were asking us questions. And so, trying to respond to fans in the, in the right way. And so we let that breathe for about 48 hours and then we didn't have too much time to our next match. And rather than get together and plan out the next game, it was, yeah, tell, tell me one thing you took out of that match and I'll, everyone took something out of it, which is mm. which is something. 
I love that because mm. I don't think many people would actually stop to reflect and, and learn, particularly mid-season, like, you know, end of season, everyone does a review, but, you know, week to week, um, you know, those op- like the BBL moves so, so quickly that it's easy to kind of skip those moments. So I love the... Um, the awareness just to stop and pause and say, hey, this is a pretty pivotal moment in this season and maybe even like the, the decade of your career and, you know, the team as well to be like, all right, let's make sure that we are, we take something from this. Um, another experience you've had at the Brisbane Heat that I'm sure you took a lot of learnings out of as well was when um, AB de Villiers came to the club. I would love to know your experience around how that came across your desk and then how – and then your experience of actually executing – the announcement of that new signing. Yeah, I mean that'll go down in uh, in my memory as one of my career highlights, but also a lifetime highlight. Um, so I remember walking into our general manager at the time's office. He called me in uh, along with a couple of other people and said, "Put a non-disclosure agreement in front of me," and uh, just something that you don't normally see. I was like. <laughs> I'm just going to read this because I actually have no idea what you're talking about. What are you going to tell me? So I read it, I signed it. I said, what if I don't sign it? He said, well, I'm not going to tell you then. <laughs> okay, well, it must be something big. So I signed it and then he um, said, uh, we've signed David de Villiers. Uh, we're going to announce it in a couple of months. The intent is that in two months' time, no one out of the four people in this room know about it. And so, um, yeah, A.B. de Villiers... Uh, I didn't really realize, but he was like Michael Jordan. And I knew that he was big. I just didn't realize how big it was. And so um, we had the opportunity to go over to meet AB in uh, Pretoria in South Africa. I read his book, um, his autobiography, just before we left and finished it on the plane and just was astounded at how awesome he was in terms of an athlete. And on the back of his book, there was, things like the most influential cricketer all, of all time. And one of the quotes was the Michael Jordan of cricket. And that started getting me a little bit nervous because I was I was going over there to be the interviewer. So I was going to interview him on a podcast. So I was going to help with content and those kind of things. And so kind of became a little bit intimidating knowing that, yeah, I was going over to interview AB de Villiers. And it was such a big deal for the Brisbane Heat and for the Big Bash to get a big name like that. And so we went over there, spent 24 hours, um, probably two hours with him, but 24 hours in Pretoria. Um, our luggage got lost on the way over. So I was walking around in the same pair of clothes for a couple of days, um, which wasn't necessarily, wasn't great. Actually went and bought a whole bunch of new clothes, but that was just part of the story. Came back, gave ourselves about a week to pull it all together to make the announcement still kept it to ourselves and so we were able to announce it on i think it was a thursday and still no one knew and we sent it out at 7 a.m and uh it just went exploded which is really cool and then at the end of that day uh, i just remember feeling this yeah massive sense of reward about um, announcing something that meant again so much to other people that was like that's a cool part about sport is just you work in something that so many other people care about and just to see the impact I thought was just the best thing, how much media attention it got, um, how much our social media channels just blew up and how much the players themselves who found out about it were just like, holy smokes, I'm going to be playing with AB. I thought that was pretty cool. Does that go down as one of the main career highlights? Top top two, top three? Yeah, top two, top three. Um, That'll definitely be up there. Someone asked me this recently. I thought that was probably number two. And number one um for me is 
when the Heat won the WBBL for the first time, and I went and met the team out at the airport because they were doing some media, and I was working in comms at the time. And I did—I wasn't at the final, but I met them at Brisbane Airport, and they came through uh, Brisbane Airport, and they got to go get their luggage, and there was just a big crowd of people that just started clapping and applauding them just out of nowhere. And that was, again, one of those little moments where I thought, okay, we're making a difference here because this is the WBBL into its fourth season. Um that's when I, I just noticed there was a bit of a step change with that competition. So I still get a few goosebumps thinking about that moment. That was amazing. Yeah. What, what does a standard day for you look like in season versus out of season? I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but how would you compare and contrast the two? Yeah, so in season, very executional. Um, off season, very strategic is how I would put it. So um, when we're in the middle of the WBBL and BBL season where thinking about how we're going to run events, how many tickets we've sold, what campaigns we need to run to drive a few more attendees through the gate. So a big part of my job is um, selling memberships and hospitality and tickets and making sure that we're hitting our attendance numbers because that has a really big impact uh, as the Brisbane Heat to reinvest that money back into the into Queensland cricket to help us fund programs, et cetera. So commercially, the Big Bash League is super important to us. So I'm always looking at our ticket sales and how we're doing. And if we've dropped a bit, what can we do to lift that back up? Um, yeah, working with our events team around our event presentation plans, with our ops team around um, how we run a safe event, a sponsorship team on um, are we delivering all of our um, deliverables for sponsors in terms of signage and digital and apparel and all those kind of things. Um, communications and media, which media conferences are we running on, which dates are we delivering for our media partners. Uh, so very um, executional in that, or operational in that period. And then, um, look, we've just finished Big Bash League and in my mind, I'm going through this strategic process around what are the big ticket items that we need to do to grow our club and to continue to innovate and be leaders in things like event presentation and social media that helps us just be uh, a little bit ahead of the pack. Um, and, and so right now, uh, going into off-season, thinking about um, this is a really critical time for renewing sponsors and bringing new sponsors in because you can't really do that too late in the summer. Uh, that's got to be done in the off-season. Um, looking at things like venue hire agreements, schedules, so going through the process of where do we want to play our games next year? What dates do we want to play them? Uh, working with our league partners to establish a good cadence of matches. Um, and then working on, yeah, I guess big ticket items for the team and, and thinking about what projects do people want to work on? How can I continue to challenge the group to keep continually get better? And so always having one or two new projects uh, per year that are a bit different, but that will excite people and give them the will and the want to come back to work year after year and I guess week after week. Mm. Just uh, referring back to what you said around like how ticket sales are such a major part of revenue for the Brisbane Heat. Um, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I was wondering like say a Gabba sells out for a Brisbane Heat home game, you know, what, what's the like the revenue on that for the Brisbane Heat and, you know, you know how much does it cost in terms to put a game on at the Gabba as well? Like what, what's the sort of financial impact for the club? Yeah, I probably won't go too much into the details and um, <laughs> you might be able to refer your listeners to our annual report. But yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. Thing. Um, rather than go into the, uh, the exact details. But, oh, look, it's um, it kind of makes or breaks 
Queensland cricket in terms of our financial year and might not be as drastic as that, but a really good year for the Big Bash League means it just takes pressure off us um, being able to deliver programs and bring on staff to deliver those programs to support volunteers. So um, there is almost like a break-even point of we need to achieve this many ticket sales to, to break even and a ga- game at the Gabba and following that, um, is a bit of a surplus that we can run each match. And so we do set ourselves a budget, which is driven all the way from board down to say um, each game, we want to hit this revenue number for games at the Gabba, which again allows us to reinvest back into the community. Uh, so it is a big challenge in terms of um, managing those expenses at the Gabba and ensuring that we do have ticket sales coming through and understanding things like the pattern of when people purchase tickets and we're in a position now where ticket sales still come relatively late. So it's hard for us to really have a clear idea of this is how we're going to go each game. And we're always banking on things like, is the weather going to be good? Is the team performing well? Are we doing everything we can from a sales and marketing to optimize the fixture? Are we playing games on weekends and good nights in prime time when we know that crowds are going to be big? Uh, if we've got a game in the middle of December, we know that's going to be really good for corporate. So we're maximising our output when it comes to contacting corporate clients. Um, and then from a cost management point of view, just being aware of um, how good we're communicating with our core um, stadium, which is the GABA, to help us um, minimise the impact of costs. And so there's a lot of costs when it comes to police and security and cleaning. Uh, and it is a bit of a challenge to manage those effectively. So um, one of my big projects for the off season is to actually become an expert in how to, um, in the uh, business of venue. And that's not something I've necessarily done in the past, but I've noticed that um, it's a critical part of our organization. So it's something that I, I probably need to take on and just get a better understanding. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really important mm. that we manage that effectively. Mm. It's really interesting you talk about, um, you know, the, the strategy behind the, the BBL there essentially. So like you are playing games to create revenue to then reinvest into grassroots sport. Like that That is sort of very different to say a Manchester City who plays games to generate revenue, probably not to put that into grassroots sport, probably to buy players to upgrade their stadium to do all sorts of things. So like do you enjoy the fact that like your role is doing – good for people like it's it's almost like a non-for-profit type organization type league like you are directly impacting the community i love that part of it um yeah we are a not-for-profit as queensland cricket and so um it's very clear that the more successful we can make the brisbane heat the more the better the outcome for for cricket and um yeah, crickets, the Big Bash League and the Brisbane Heat are there to be that entry-level product to bring new fans into the game. Our purpose as a club is to bring families together. So uh, really conscious that everything we do needs to come back to that purpose of entertainment, but also families. Uh, but then, I mean, it gives me massive joy to, to see uh, the impact that we can then have on the community and um, knowing that the Brisbane Heat is encouraging more boys and girls to play and seeing how big our entry-level numbers go up um, and seeing lots of kids run around in teal is really cool. And just knowing that how hard our community staff work as well to actually bring community programs to life. And I suppose the, the up and lights, the glory part of it is full stadiums at the Gabba, but as equally important is 
running a program in Toowoomba or Cairns um, and the impact that our staff have on yeah, young boys and girls that uh, might not have played cricket before or they're trying to have a good experience with cricket. I think that's as equally as important as anything I do. Mm. I was wondering, how do you balance that with um, your outlook on investment into at-match experience? Because you do a lot of great work in the community, but you also have to put on a show at the same time and that costs money. You guys do some terrific work, whether it's Rocket Man or you know New Year's Day Bash. You got DJs like Charlie Cameron comes down. Mm. Um, what is your like? What what's the approach with the at match experience and the investment that goes into that at the Heat? Yeah, I suppose it's it's very much knowing that all of that is pretty critical into why someone's going to become a fan or come to a game. And so by putting on a good show and bringing in people that um, might not necessarily come to cricket because they know cricket has been five days and boring, whereas a heat game is three hours and action-packed. So I think you'd, we definitely need that ingredient to bring those people in. And again, by bringing more people into the game, it allows us to, to reinvest more into the community. So uh, having been really close to the budgeting process, um, I definitely see uh, the balance that is created across the organisation where... Um, the Brisbane Heat is there to play a role, and so we need X amount of resourcing and budget to achieve that. And if we get it right, then it means more girls and boys playing cricket. So I think it's just understanding the balance of investment into the entertainment side, but then the outcome is that, um, yeah, we can invest more into the community. Are there any big ideas on the whiteboard that you want to execute next season that you can let us in on? He's rubbed them out from behind <laughs> <laughs> Well, the premiership was only, what, less than oh, a week ago today, so I haven't gone to that point yet. But I have, I guess, to the point that you, you raised earlier about we're getting together as a team next week to just have a, an hour of what worked, what didn't, what do you want to do next? And so I think that'll be the first step to filling that whiteboard. Um, so nothing to tell you about yet, but we do challenge ourselves every year to say what's our next big idea and so we brought rocket man back next this season we came up with new year's bash, bash the year before what's the next evolution of us as a group which i think plays a big role in keeping people motivated to to know that we don't yeah stand on our heels run our toes we try and lead from the front and we try and come up with a lot of new ideas and then we execute like hell i, I love the um the interview question that you mentioned at the top of the show, which is like, how can I create the best possible environment for you to do your best work with us? And you've clearly been able to do that because you mentioned Nick and Taylor who have been with the Brisbane Heat for eight or nine years, I think nine seasons, Nick said on socials the other day. Um, what, what's your approach to building and retaining an amazing team? Because they've obviously loved, I've, speaking to both of them, they've loved their time at their Heat. What have you done as a leader to try and cultivate that environment? Yeah, sure. And I, certainly not just me. I think um, Queensland Cricket in general, uh, definitely we try and um, push our staff to to think of development plans and um, tell us uh, what you want to achieve in your career. And it's not like you can get there in the next five weeks or the next five minutes, but how can we help you reach the next level? So that's something I'm really conscious of doing and speaking to my group around um, tell me your development plan what do you want to do next how can I help you get there so there's one part of it I think setting a, a really good culture around um, yeah, teamwork and communication 
Uh, I know that working from home is a really big thing at the moment and um, probably hasn't really filtered necessarily into Queensland because we weren't as impacted through COVID, but certainly a lot of our group are in the office most of the week. And so a lot of face-to-face -face connections, a lot of communicating that way. So a lot of rapport building, um, what we've tried to do a little bit more is also establish good work-life balance. And so if someone's working over a weekend or a game day, flexible working where you don't have to come in. So probably a, a mix of things that make work enjoyable. And um, I guess if you're working in sport, then the Brisbane Heat's a pretty cool brand to work on because yeah, we are innovative. We do like to, like to test the boundaries. Um, no idea is a bad idea for us. And so I think there's a mix of things. And that's, I guess, what's kept me going for 10 years as mm. well is um, that same drive to to work on cool things, but also develop myself um, both professionally and personally. That's awesome nice. to hear. I think it makes sense. Like people are always striving to hit their goals. And if you can just be the platform for them to hit their goals and you know, and they're not going to search for other avenues to do it if you're providing them. So it's it's yeah. awesome to hear that you guys are doing that. Yeah. I was going to say, at some point, yeah, people do move on. And so also the conscious of that. It's like mm. you can't work at one place forever. And so uh, if someone do, does leave, how are they leaving? On what terms are they leaving? And um, if they're leaving on the right terms, which people should be, then that's also a win. And what that does do is open up opportunities for other people as well. So while it's sad to lose a colleague to go work somewhere else, if they're doing it on the right terms, then I take a bit of pride out of that. And also the fact that it's going to open up a door for someone else. So as yeah. long as we're looking at it like that, I think it just creates that cycle of, of good teamwork and, and good culture. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you've kind of broken the classic mold of, you know, you get your first gig, you stay for two, three years, and then you move on to the next one. Like it feels like no one wants to leave because the opportunities are great, you know, so that's it's, it's awesome. Um, can you understand some of the key sort of skills and experiences people need to be in your position? I'm sure there's a lot of people listening in who would dream of being in a GM position at a, at a BBL club. What are some of those key skills that you need to do your role well? Uh, communication is definitely one of them. And uh, I've always thought of myself as a relatively good communicator, but I've received feedback over the journey on um, areas of my communication that I need to improve. And so um, being able to take and receive feedback is actually one and one I wasn't thinking of, but um, yeah, communication, being able to take and receive feedback, um, being able to think with a bit of a creative mindset. And so although my job is very commercially driven currently, um, also having a bit of creativity um, around that. Uh, at the position I'm in, having the, you definitely need some, not a finance background, but being able to um, analyse things financially, work with the finance department. Um, and uh, presenting skills, I actually think is really important. So I've done a few presenting courses. I've encouraged my team that the more you get out and you don't have to be necessarily a, a journalist or a salesperson, but giving everyone the confidence to go and present in a room, I think is uh, a good skill to have. What is it about this skill set of journalism that leads to general management of, you know, media, digital marketing, fan engagement teams? Because, you know, there's this group of people that I kind of bucket yourself into who are leading organisations with that background. You know, you did a Masters of Journalism. Uh, Finn Bradshaw started off as a journalist. He's now the head of digital at the ICC. Patrick Horan used to be a journalist and is now... Uh, was the head of digital at Cricket Australia for a bit, now at the Western Bulldogs. Even um, 
Josh Martin came from journalism and, and PR and you know now ahead of um, that space at Golf Australia too. What what is it about that sort of skill set that makes a great fit for this role? Yeah, I think um, they're very transferable skills when you study something like communications or journalism. And I remember um, it was a post-grad class and maybe my first writing um, class, someone said, oh, yeah, out of the amount of people sitting in this lecture, I think I was online at the time saying, uh, there's probably two of you that are going to get jobs as journalists. So there's not a lot of jobs in it, uh, but it is a really fun prof- uh, profession. And so um, I think it's just the uh, the transferable skills of writing. So I really like writing. So doing creative writing, writing profiles and people, um, extending that to press releases, being able to communicate internally. It helps you write a good brief for, um, for something you want to get creative, created helps you communicate if you're pitching to a sponsor or building out a sponsorship proposal. So I think it's just the, um, the transferable skills of creativity uh, and also communication just seems to work within the sporting landscape. Mm. Do you happen to have a separate outlet that allows you to be creative and write? I know Patrick Horan was reviewing comedy for a long time in the background of working in sport. Is there anything else you got on the side that just helps scratch that itch? No, for a period of time I was pretty active in sourcing um, freelance writing opportunities. Uh, I currently don't do too much of that. I think uh, work plus a few kids plus a terrible golf game keeps me relatively busy. Um, But, yeah, if the opportunity came up to do a little more freelance writing, I'd certainly take it with both hands. And for a period, I was pretty active in contacting publishers and just trying to do a bit of work here and there just to earn some extra pocket money. It's also good because you... Um, I would imagine doing a journalism degree, you understand that landscape a bit. So if you're working in comms, you kind of know how to play the game a little bit with journalists. So I'd imagine that would be a good skill to have as well. I actually think, um, and sorry to cut you off, uh, Ryan, I think um, the media side of it's actually very similar to, uh, I guess that side of it taught me a lot about relationship building. And so working in comms is almost like working in a sales role in that you need to call journos and editors and say, I've got this story for you. Can you make this work? And you're not necessarily selling anything. Nothing's changing hands, but their time is precious based on their publication is precious. So achieving a good story um, through communication is actually like, that taught me a lot about relationship building and the tenacity to, to get through the door and, and move on from there. Yeah, nice. Um, tell us about the best part of being with an organization for 10 years. You know, we've spoken a little bit about the longevity and how you've been there for a while. If you were to put it down to a couple of things, what was the best part of being somewhere and staying put for for a decade? I think just personally is is the, um, again, I've stayed here because uh, opportunities have opened up. So I guess the longer you can stay somewhere and if you do have the right skill set and you've got the, you strike at the right time, then opportunities do open up. Um, so there's that side of it. The other side is just uh, cricket is a is a great sport to be involved in. And so I grew up playing the game. I've been involved in the grassroots side. Just the relationships that you build with coaches and past players and administrators and the media, just that that's a really cool side of it. So being around for 10 years means I've got a lot of great contacts and a lot of great people that I've had a coffee with or had a beer with over the journey that um, I reflect on pretty fondly. Wonderful. And finally, Pete, before we let you go, is there any advice that you would give to yourself on your first day 
at Cricket Queensland, knowing what might become of the next 10 years, what would you give yourself? What advice would you give yourself back on that day one? Uh, probably launch into everything that you can and try everything that you can and be very nice to people and be kind to people because that'll come back to you in spades. Nice. Wonderful. Simply put, love it. Fantastic. Well, Pete, it's been awesome having you on the show, uh, just hearing about your journey at the Heat. And obviously, it's a great time at the moment, having won this year's BBL title. Uh, it's been awesome just to hear about your, your role, the ins and outs, and that A.B. de Villiers story will always go down in uh, in folklore. I think I like your uh, your iteration of the story from, from Nick's as well. It's been great to see the two. But um, thanks a lot for coming on and just sharing your insights. It's been awesome and Hopefully, uh, we'll see you up in Brisbane soon for our meet-up, but uh, thanks again. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me again. Uh, pretty humbled that you think my uh, role is interesting <laughs> enough to uh, dedicate a podcast to. And um, look, in hindsight, I probably should have brought the trophy in with me. It's just down the hallway, <laughs> so um, maybe I'll grab it and light it up for you. Queenslanders have been the only people who have brought in props to this podcast. And yeah. when I say Queenslanders collectively, I mean one person, and that's Natalie Cook, the uh, the okay. uh, Olympic gold medalist who brought in her gold medal for uh, to I uh, guess hyped up about the Brisbane game. Yeah. So um, uh, we do love Queenslanders, but um, no, we we love hearing about your job, and um, might have to do a part two down the track as the uh, the Brisbane heat continues to grow. So thank you for coming on. Sounds good. Thanks, gentlemen. Guys, it is time now for the people's segment of the podcast, Ask Sports Grad, where every week we answer a question directly from our community. If you would like to ask a question first, you can become a Sports Grad member tomorrow in our latest intake. Do not miss out because you'll be waiting another three months. It'll be May by the mm. time you can get in. It'll be cold. It'll be cold. Winter's coming. Like, not a good time to hit your goals. I want to start now. So join the community and get your questions answered. Rubes, this week question comes from Vanessa, great friend of the show. The question is, I'm planning on applying for a membership sales position. We've seen a few of these go around. Although I don't have relevant experience, I used to work in customer service and a few other sectors. What should I touch on when writing my cover letter? Mm, great question. Great question. Because uh, a lot of people just blaze away with their cover letters and dump everything they've ever done onto their cover letter and say, hey, someone hire me, and then it's a copy-paste. Mm. I mean, you know, if you're listening to this and you've sent out the same resume and the same cover letter to even more than five employers, then you, you need a change yeah. because that's a problem. You're not targeting it to the specific role. So, Vanessa, what should you touch on when writing your cover letter? Well, the first thing you need to do is dissect the job description. So when you pick up the job description for membership sales officer position, read through it and highlight anything that you see is a notable skill and job descriptions can be quite lengthy they can throw a lot of different things in but go through and underline all the different skills and then write them down on a page and literally count how many times each specific skill was mentioned for example something in the realm of communication might be mentioned five or six times and so you would then be able to clearly see that okay communication is the number one skill that this job requires you're going to do that for all of the skills and then you're going to rank them until you can clearly see from one to 10 or whatever what the order of priority of skills is for this particular job. You're then going to cut out the bottom seven and you're just going to look at the top three. We're not going to take a scattered approach. We're not going to try and fill absolutely everything this job wants to do. 
we're just going to focus on the top three highest priority skills that this job requires. And what you're going to do is you are going to think back to a time when you have demonstrated this skill. And you are then going to write about that example using the STAR response, which stands for situation, task, action, result. And that is going to form one of your body paragraphs. And you are going to do this three times with your three best examples for each of the three most important skills. And when you do that, they will be able to pick up your cover letter and see, okay, Vanessa has clearly done what we're looking for. Doesn't matter if it's in another space. We just need to know that can she hit the top three things we need. The only other thing I would add to that is in your body, in your introduction, just explain why this role is important to you and why you want to work in sport. Other than that, if you hit those top three skills, then you should do very well. <laughs> nice. Speaking of a cover letter, we've actually got a template for that as well in our mm. resource hub, which you can find as being part of the sports grade community. So as we said, if you want your questions asked, if you want a resource hub, if you want events every fortnight, if you want a community there, a supporting community where you can grow your network and a job board as well, join the sports grade community. Tomorrow morning is the day, 9 a.m. Put it in the calendar, put it in the alarm. Yeah. Set an alarm on your phone. That's it. Uh, it's the time to join. Stop putting it off. Uh, get amongst it. Super exciting. We can't wait to have you part of it. I was chatting with uh, Rohan in Sydney last night. Yeah. And he said to me, Ruben, I heard you mention on the podcast at last intake, like some people were literally jumping in at like nine o'clock and 16 seconds. And yeah. he was like, that was me. He was like, yeah. I was like, I had my laptops open. It was like buying Taylor Swift tickets. Like he wanted to get in <laughs> straight away. He wanted yeah. that membership badly. It's it's kind of like one of those days where you just you clear it and mm. you just you watch the inbox. You just want to see people jump in. I'm not joking. Last time it was like literally yeah nine oh oh sixteen yeah nine oh one crazy. Yeah. So get amongst it. Less than forty eight hours. In the meantime, find us on LinkedIn and give us some love with a rating if you enjoy the show. And also if you've got a if you've got a friend who might enjoy this podcast, send it on to him. Mm. We would love for you to share it. And obviously, a five-star review would be perfect as well. Subscribe on Apple and follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, friends. One last thing before you go. If you really want to make an impact in sport, then subscribe to the Sports Grad newsletter. Inside, we share all the latest job openings and networking events, so you're always aware of opportunities to land a job and grow your network. Plus, we share a Q&A with professional on how they grow their career in sport. Here, we talk about things like how they moved overseas or negotiated their salary or landed a new job or promotion, made a career change, and so much more. It's kind of like a little boost of inspiration in your inbox before the weekend. So if you're like us, you're career driven and you're keen to progress quickly, you're going to love the SportsGrad newsletter. To get it, head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe or follow the link in the show notes. See you next time.